Q&A with Bishop Julian Porteous. Dear friends, and welcome to another session of Q&A with Bishop Julian Porteous. And I have with me Jovina Graham. Hello. And myself, Jeremy Ambrose. So, Bishop, we'd like to ask you something which is a little bit controversial. But it's an important question, I think, for all of us. Because in the Bible, one of the passages that comes up the most is that line, Be not afraid. However, a lot of Australians in this climate are, are afraid of many things. And one of the things that, that a lot of people have been asking about is Sharia law. Because it's come up that some Muslims have requested that they be able to live under Sharia law here in Australia. So we want to ask you, Bishop Julian, is this a reasonable request? Is there anything to fear? It's a question that is emerging um it's come up in other countries as well, and now it has been raised in Australia. Sharia law basically is, if you like, religious law um, uh, for for Muslims, and it has in it a number of um, approaches to to questions um, that that come out of their, their own particular religious approach to things. That would be different to the approaches we take in our own system of law in in Australia. And we have to say that our law in Australia is largely influenced by Christianity. It's come out of Western civilization and, and uh, has adopted certain approaches to things like marriage, for instance. It has an understanding of the nature of marriage. And uh, the Muslim faith has a slightly different approach to the nature of marriage. So it does raise a question. Um, and so can you have a case of a particular religious group within a society saying, look, our laws or our approaches to a number of things are different to yours, so should we not be able to live under our own system of law and, and not under the, uh, the law of the country? But of course, this creates immediately a lot of problems that uh, you could have, if one particular group asked for it, then another group could ask for it. And, and, and so this is where it, it does threaten the overall social harmony. I, I think immediately we have to say is that any country must develop its own structures of law, of custom, of practice. Do we say this defines the nature of our particular culture, the way we operate as a country. And in a democratic country, in a country that has systems of law whereby the High Court, for instance, can, can make determinations on various points, that law can be clarified or, or can be refined over time. But it's the law of the country. So you don't have separate groups within the country operating under their own law. I think for the sake of the, the overall well-being of, of a country, there needs to be one one basic law. So I, th I think the the request by some to, to have, uh, the, say, the Muslims live under Sharia law would raise some very deep questions about the overall unity and, and harmony uh, in our country. Okay, so we've explored it from, from a legal perspective, but what about in terms of social norms? Um, should, we, should we expect all Muslims to integrate to Australian society and... and 
and you know live in their day-to-day lives as as other mainstream Australians would or can they have a separate existence and, and follow their social norms in within their own enclaves this again is is a, a, a very complex issue and but it is something that um, as we're moving into more and more multicultural societies, this is the reality now in the world that uh, with globalization, with the whole migration of peoples, um, we're finding many, many countries, not just Australia, but many, many countries now have become multicultural. And, and so you need within a multicultural society to have one overall, if you like, culture. Uh, but then we also want to respect certain customs and practices and so forth of, uh, of various ethnic groups or various sure. cultural groups within the society. And I think it's very important when we talk about multicultural, we do talk about the fact that we do want to respect the customs and practices of, of uh, various peoples who make up the culture. And we also realise that, that those different cultures all can contribute to the richness and diversity of a particular culture. However, when one particular culture um, either decides that it will not, if you like, enter the mainstream, but will stay in a, in a kind of a separate existence, maybe they'll tend to, to live in a particular area, um, the whole idea of the ghetto, you know, the, 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 and people naturally do that. They'll, they'll want to be with their confreres, they want to be with people who share their own uh, attitudes and, and values. But if it's to the experience to, to the uh, extent that they are isolated and have a separate existence. And in other words, they're not really integrating fully into the culture. This runs the risk of, of causing great difficulties down the track. I, I think we do need to say to somebody, if you come to Australia, then there is the expectation and understanding that you would seek to integrate with the culture. By all means, preserve your own religious customs, your own religious practices and so forth, uh, your own particular cultural ways of doing things. But at the same time, say we want to be part of the mainstream of society. Uh, I think that's an expectation we could we can make of anybody who comes to a country to say that they will accept and live by the, the values and attitudes that this particular uh, country has. Okay. Bishop Julian, in many talks you've said that the church exists to evangelize, but how do we approach Muslims with with this um, with this attitude? Because, for example, at university we'll have many many talks that the Catholic Church offers, and a lot of Muslims come along and support those talks because we all do believe in the one God. So, should we respect this Muslim belief as we do believe in the one God and not seek to offer the Christian faith to them? I think there are two two issues here that that are uh, that are important. I think the Catholic Church, firstly, particularly from the Second Vatican Council, made a very clear statement about the importance of respect for people's religious positions, conscientiously held, and respect for free, and respect for freedom of religion. So um, that was important, and and that provide a basis then for the church engaging in dialogue with various uh, religious groups, not only ecumenism within Christian Christian churches, but also interreligious dialogue. And that has been proceeding um, quite strongly in the church since the, the 1960s. And so we want to engage in a dialogue with uh, with Muslims. And I think that's a very important aspect of the uh, of the of the church's mission because it's all helping to build a greater sense of unity and mutual respect between the religions so they're not um, 
unnecessarily in conflict with each other. And of course, sometimes those conflicts can move into um, the social environment and cause conflict in nations, as, as we know. And so that process of dialogue is very important. But at the same time, uh, um, we, we also have a question of the importance of presenting the fullness of the truth which we which we have through through our Catholic faith, and we want to offer that. We're, we're not we don't want to impose it. We're not in any way wanting to to somehow enter into just argument and and bitter wrangling over words or ideas. But we would say we have a treasure in our faith. Uh, yes, both ourselves and Muslims believe in the one God, and that's a very basic point of unity. But we would say that God has revealed Himself. In Jesus Christ and there is a a greater understanding of the nature of the one God through Jesus Christ and also through the the life death and resurrection of Christ we understand that God has acted to bring salvation to humanity so we want to offer to Muslims this full realization of the plan and purposes of God for humanity so we would say we respect you for what you believe, and particularly those points that are in common with Christianity. But at the same time, we want to say, but there is a fullness of revelation about the nature of God found in Jesus Christ. And therefore, we want to present that to you and offer you to discover more about God, if you like, a great understanding of the nature of God by virtue of, um, of knowing Jesus Christ. Well, I find that really amazing, especially since the other day I was quite surprised when a Catholic colleague and I were talking about places we'd visited and the name of Mary came up. And our our Muslim colleague actually stepped in and said, yes, we honour her too. She's in our Quran. And I was quite surprised by that. Uh, How does that happen, Bishop? There there are sections in the the Quran where uh, uh, Mary is specifically mentioned. I think it's important to realise that Muhammad himself grew up in uh, in in Arabia, and there he was exposed to both Judaism and Christianity. Uh, strangely enough, the Christianity he knew more about because he he had uh, contact with a, a particular bishop there who was an historian. So they just had a slightly different view about the nature of of Christ to to the mainstream church. But but essentially, like ninety nine percent of what they believed was the same as as uh, as the Catholic Church believes. So. Muhammad obviously knew a lot about uh, or picked up information about uh, both Judaism and also Christianity, and this found its way into the Quran in, in, in various ways. And uh, as there are references to, to Jesus in the Quran, and there are references to, uh, to the Blessed Virgin Mary, and Mary is very clearly honoured, and, um, and, and the Quran does give honour to Mary. And so uh, Muslims have, have had the attitude of respecting uh, Our Lady very much. In fact, um, I've been to Cairo and there are some churches there, some some Christian churches, where um, many Muslims will come, that the church is devoted um, under the patronage of, of Our Lady and they come there to pray and, and so forth. So there is this um, respect particularly for Our Lady because of the fact that it's in the Quran and that goes back to um, the fact that Muhammad knew a bits of information about Christianity and Judaism, <clears throat> so that again is a very valuable source of uh, of, of linkage between um, Muslims and and Christians, and can be the basis 
for um, for dialogue, for discussion, and 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 also, in some ways, it could be the case that uh, that for some Muslims, their 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 great love of Our Lady could actually be a, a point of of opening up questions of discussion about uh, about Christianity, and ultimately, I suppose it does. The, the critical question is to say that that. Jesus Christ, the, the Son of Mary, is also the Son of God, is also the incarnate Word of God. And, uh, and that, that discussion could take place where, where we as Christians in talking to uh, Muslims could, could then go on and present our own, our own faith. And that could be a very useful way of engaging in discussion with the idea of, of, wanting a, of us presenting to Muslims our, our Catholic faith and what we what we believe particularly about the nature of the son of Mary. Q&A with Bishop Julian Porteous. Javina, for our little point of um, Catholic trivia again uh, today, uh, what would you say was um, the only country on earth that is a hundred percent Christian. I think I think it would be Malta, wouldn't it? Malta's not a bad effort, and you were close <laughs> geographically. It's a little bit higher than that. Uh-huh. It's the Vatican. Ah, oh, okay. Because the Vatican actually is a is a city, a uh, city state. It was um, f- uh, there was a concordat established between the Church and uh, and and Italy under the time of Mussolini in 1929, whereby there was a, a final clarification of of a particular area that would be seen as a separate city state within Italy. So it operates as its own as its own country, if you like, um, and of course. That is the, the Vatican, uh, of course, one would expect. <laughs> They're all Christian there. And uh, you might be happy to know also that, that the Vatican can boast of 1,000 permanent inhabitants. So obviously a few more people turn up for um, pilgrimages and every day there are, there are sorry, tens of thousands of people who will go through the Vatican, particularly visiting St. Peter's or the Sistine Chapel or the museums and so forth. But they're actually... It's a very small country. It has 1,000 permanent inhabitants. And of course, one particular inhabitant who is very, very important to us, and that's the Pope. You've been listening to Q&A with Bishop Julian Porteous. For more episodes, visit credio.org.au.